Coming up on this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Elon Musk discusses Tesla's latest capital raise and more in an interview with the Wall Street Journal. Japan becomes the latest country to set a ban on the sale of new internal combustion engine vehicles. Giga Shanghai shines again and more. What's happening, friends? I'm Ryan McCaffrey here for episode 280 of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast for December 13th, 2020. To my left, looking longingly out the window, still awake for now, Daisy the Boxer. First, I wanted to start the show this week by saying a thank you to Gary Eaves for letting me know that the new $1,000 discounted price to upgrade an enhanced autopilot car to full self-driving It's 5,000. So again, as I mentioned last week when I reported that, I couldn't couldn't tell what the number was because I wasn't able to look at it in my app. Uh, Gary was able to do that. So it's down from 6,000 to 5,000. And again, just just to hammer that home, I don't know if this will be permanent or just through the end of the month, which also happens to be the end of the quarter. So you may want to act soon if you think you want to get it at some point and if you're in a position to do so now, it is possible that it could go back up. Next, before I get started with the news proper, another thank you. This one goes out to listener Matt Asbury from Leander, Texas, for being the first to give me the heads up that the 118th scale die-cast Model S, Model X, and Model 3 cars have all seen significant price reductions. They've gone from $250 each down to $175. Interestingly, the Roadster and Semi-Truck 118th scale models are still $250. Now, Matt theorizes that because the Model 3 has just seen a subtle refresh, and I suppose in a scale model, the wheels, center console, uh, satin black door handles, and window trim would be noticeable changes if Tesla were to do a new die-cast model of the three, that uh, Matt thinks that maybe this could be a hint that the long-rumored Model S and X refreshes, which, again, are allegedly coming early next year, according to what has been a couple of reasonably trusted sources in the community, but then again, other trusted sources in the community have been calling for the S and X refresh for quite literally years now, and it still hasn't happened. So we'll, it'll happen when it happens with this one. But in any case, uh, it is certainly plausible that Matt will be correct and that the uh, the S and the X do have those refreshes coming if their die-cast models are getting uh, put on pretty good sale. Now, it could also simply be, let's just also state the simple option here. It may just be, that those three models aren't selling as well as the Semi and the Roadster and or Tesla has excess inventory of those three ahead of what what is now we're in the middle of the holiday shopping season. So again, I'm happy to mention it. Tip of the cap to Matt one more time. And I wanted to mention it specifically because if you do want to get one of those as a gift for somebody or treat yourself, 
Now's a good time to do it while they're down to 175 bucks. You can find them all on Tesla's online store, which is at shop.tesla.com. And one final thank you before the news proper gets started. I want to thank everybody who called in this past week. Uh, I, I put out a call for calls at the top of last week's show, and I am very happy to say that the well of calls has been refilled. And seriously, I appreciate it. I really appreciate everybody uh, who took the time to dial in. Now, I don't want everybody to suddenly stop dial in, uh, dialing in. It's always, you know, you always got to keep it rolling. There's always got to be some new ones coming in. So just hopefully we're back to a nice normal cadence now uh, and, and we'll keep it rolling. Now, that said, I've got, thanks to you guys, plenty of excellent calls talking about some really fun topics lined up for later in the podcast. So stay tuned for that. Okay, here we go. This week, Tesla is once again taking advantage of their soaring stock price, and they are doing a $5 billion capital raise. Okay, so what's Tesla going to do with that money? Well, Elon Musk answered that very question in an interview this week with the Wall Street Journal. Here is one clip, the first clip of two clips I'm going to play for you from that. You know, we had, we're kind of debating, like, should we raise money or should we not? Um, it wasn't like a 100% sure thing. Um, in the end, we thought, well, we can retire a lot of the debt and uh, increase the security of the company. Probably a good thing. Uh, and for less than 1% of solutions, probably makes sense. Um, but we're you know, neither here nor there on that. I think it's a could have gone either way. So what is the, so the money's for really debt retirement? You're saying today? Uh, debt retirement and like I guess to have a bit more of a war chest. Or, you know, um, at the end of the day, you know, what what is money? Money is an entry in a database. So it is just a 0.8 stock dilution, as you heard Elon say there, which. I'm assured by people that know stock and money things is a very good thing for everyone. I mean, I mean, it makes sense, right? It's you, the more stock you put out there, the more it dilutes it and makes everybody else's stock worth less. Sure, only 0.8, less than 1%. So this is not uh, really a bad thing for anyone. And more importantly here, this leaves Tesla with about $20 billion in cash which is simply incredible when you think about where they were just a few years ago. I know I say that a lot, particularly over this past, what, six months, year, where Tesla's really just been on this meteoric rise and, and this march to, to financial, I don't know if financial freedom's quite the, quite the right word, but let's say financial stability for sure. I mean, it's, it's worth keeping in mind where Tesla was at and how difficult things were for them not too long ago at all, but... Now, Tesla has more than enough money on hand to weather any storms, which honestly, I mean, they did a heck of a job weathering the COVID-19 storm when back when the, the Fremont factory was closed for six weeks right at the start of Model Y production. That was a pretty challenging time. So hopefully there won't be something worse coming along and testing their resolve and testing that $20 billion cash reserve in 2021. In fact, even after paying down some debt, as Elon mentioned in that clip, they could still build another gigafactory with this money, probably fairly easily, if that's, they if that's what they decided they wanted to do. Now, I don't imagine that that's in the cards right away, what with the fact that they're busy with two 
brand new Gigafactory is well underway and set to open sometime next year. Uh, But then again, it's Tesla, it's Elon, and thus, you never quite know. I mean, maybe India could be on the drawing board stage, maybe a second plant in China. There are definitely opportunities out there whenever Tesla does decide that they are ready to take advantage of them. As I said, I had one other clip for you from this uh, 20-something minute interview. If you want to check out the rest, check it out on Wall Street Journal's website. But in this one, Elon was asked how he would redo the entire U.S. transportation system if, you know, this is obviously a hypothetical because it's not possible, but in a, in a magic hypothetical situation, how would Elon redo the entire U.S. transportation system? Here's his answer. Entire transportation infrastructure? Wow. Um, the, the main thing I, I see missing here is uh, that, that we need to go 3D in cities in order to alleviate traffic congestion. And, um, I, and I think probably the best way to do that is with, uh, with tunnels. Um, it sounds, it may sound a bit silly, but boring company that you, you started, which looks at that. Um, yeah, in fact, for, for many years, I was asked, what do I see as the biggest opportunity for new companies? And I kept saying, can someone please build tunnels for half a decade? I said this and, and nobody built tunnels. So I was like, fine, we'll start a company and, and start building some tunnels. And we've got the first tunnel that's uh, going to be opening up first commercial tunnel opening up in Vegas, uh, going from the convention center to the strip. And I think we will have an opportunity to try it out and be able to see that, hey, if we just go 3D in cities, we don't have to be stuck in gridlock. This is great. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I'd recommend tunnels. And then for long distance travel, the you, you can do um, tunnels or tubes. Uh, but if you evacuate the tunnel and, and uh, essentially remove the air or most of the air, you can, you can get rid of the uh, air friction and you can go uh, supersonic. Uh, and uh, do so with, uh, I mean, with, with no um, dependence on weather and with no need to get to high altitude or create a sonic boom issues. So that's what I meant by sort of the hyperloop. It, it's, it's, it's just basically a pressurized uh, electric car in a vacuum tube. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this, this, this would be a revolution in transport that would be uh, amazing. Um, and um, Hopefully others do it, not just the Boring Company. Boring Company tunnels for our cars in cities and hyperloops for interstate travel. That sounds pretty cool. Now, maybe none of us will live long enough to see that future potentially become a reality, but yeah, maybe someday it's possible, or maybe our kids might get to see that kind of reality come to fruition. All right, next up this week in Japan, Tokyo's governor, Yuriko Koike, announced that the capital city expects all new car sales to be electric or hybrid vehicles by 2030, so just 10 years from now. Tesla Rati writing this up and saying, Tokyo's move suggests that Japan will follow Europe's footsteps in banning internal combustion vehicles. Quote, we are going to be 100% non-gasoline and lead the global trend, Koike said, who stressed the responsibility that major cities like Tokyo have to clear the air of emissions. According to Nikkei Asia, the capital city of Japan does not plan to set any penalties on companies uh, in order to force them to comply with the the policy. Tokyo expects automobile manufacturers to comply with their request because it greatly affects their reputation. 
Tokyo's plan places it five years ahead of the rest of Japan. Last week, NHK learned the Japanese government planned to end the sales of new gasoline vehicles by the mid-2030s. Based on local sources, Japan's economy ministry wants all new cars to be either hybrid, electric, or fuel cell before the decade ends. The Japanese government may announce its plans for its energy vehicle transition by the end of the year, which would be in just a couple of weeks from now. Now, I know Tesla doesn't currently have a particularly large presence in Japan, but this is obviously good news for them, given that they will become thus a much more attractive option in Japan within the next decade. And hopefully by that time, Tesla's already going to organically be a much bigger player in the Japanese car market for a couple of reasons. One, since 2030 is when Elon's goal is to have Tesla making, remember, 20 million cars per year by 2030, one of which would be the $25,000 compact sedan, and then uh, in addition, a small city car hatchback. And I mentioned those two vehicles because both of those would probably be fairly welcome in Tokyo and in Japan at large, because I do believe Japan does tend to prefer smaller vehicles, and I don't think they have a lot of, say, full-size pickup trucks like the Cybertruck uh, in Japan. But hey, even setting Tesla aside in this, let's just say bravo to Tokyo and to Japan and kudos to them for taking a stand for the environment here. Tokyo and Japan are now joining, a, uh, as mentioned in the Tesla Roddy story, a number of European countries and the state of California here in the United States in setting a goal and setting a, an aggressive sunsetting date for gas-powered new passenger car vehicle sales. Love it. I applaud it. Next up this week, another week, another story about Giga Shanghai overperforming their goals and doing exceedingly well at their jobs. According to data released by the China Passenger Car Association, Tesla sold 21,604 Model 3s domestically in November. That, to put it in context, is a 78% month-over-month jump compared to Model 3 sales in October when Tesla sold 12,143 units in China. So just to break that down, that means now that Tesla is doing 5,000 Model 3s a week at Giga Shanghai, and they're doing that after less than a year of being open. It also means that if they don't grow any more at all, if they, if they just top out where they are, they'll make about 250,000 cars a year starting next year because they'll go into the, the new year at that 5,000 car a week run rate. However, add in the Model Y that they are absolutely going to start producing there in the next month or two. And in a year from now, on episode whatever that's going to be, 332, something like that. Uh, I might, might be sitting here talking again about Giga Shanghai being on a 500,000 car a year pace. But of course, uh, the reality is that Giga Shanghai won't be just standing still and stopping where they are. They will continue to scale up. And, su and as such, they are likely to exceed that 500,000 car per year goal just like they've exceeded just about every other expectation or goal 
set for them by Elon and by Tesla. Now, in time, of course, the Model 4 is going to be made in China as well. It's going to be designed there and made there. Uh, and I wonder how many, of course, I mean, it's sure to be sold in other markets, but it is going to be designed and built there. I wonder how many of those Model 4s there are going to be demand for in in China alone. I mean, it could could there be half a million Model 4s just for the Chinese market alone? More? I mean, China is a much bigger country than the United States, so... Uh, it, it's going to be fun to find out exactly what the, the sort of overall top end capacity of Giga Shanghai is going to be in the coming years. Next this week, the Tesla community's white hat hacker friend, who I've been mentioning a lot lately, Green the Only, that's his Twitter handle. Well, he has just absolutely been on fire. He has shared more interesting stuff again. I think he's come up on the show a few times recently. He's back at it. He's found some more interesting stuff hiding in the Tesla software. This week, it's evidence of two interesting things that people have been waiting for. One, remote camera access. And two, navigation waypoints. Both of those have been long-requested features Now, Elon had acknowledged uh, the latter of those two, and sure enough, they're in there. Green posted a picture of the navigation screen with the nav waypoints, the, the destination waypoints, in action. Now, as for the remote camera access, he posted a screenshot of the car UI in the uh, safety and security menu, Down at the bottom, in the build that he's playing with, obviously it's not in any of our builds yet, but he scrolls down to the bottom of the screen and right there it says there's a checkbox for allow remote camera access. So uh, I'm left to wonder now if both of these are hiding in there. I do have to wonder if both of those features, which are, again, both highly anticipated, are going to be in that big year-end holiday update that Elon hyped up a couple weeks back. If they are, then we're looking at full self-driving, being able to check your car's cameras from your app anytime, which would be so awesome. We're talking about multi-wavepoint, wavepoint, waypoint navigation. We're talking about a new driving visualization for the screen that's already in the full self-driving beta now. All of that, and, and we'll see, there could very well be more to it than that, but even if if not, even if it's just those things, that would make for a pretty sweet update. That would be a, a very fantastic holiday gift for your car from uh, the Tesla team. And again, now that it's, I mean, it's it's the 11th of December as I record this, So hopefully we shouldn't have to wait too much longer to unwrap our software present. And finally this week, speaking of software presence, 2020.48.10 is rolling out wide now. In fact, I just got it this afternoon uh, before I recorded here today on Friday the 11th. And in it, there is a holiday-themed Easter egg making its grand return for the holiday season. So... Just use your voice command prompt and say, ho, ho, ho. And, and the uh, on-screen display in your car will turn into Santa's sleigh. So if, in my case, a red Model 3 turns into 
Santa's red sleigh. And uh, it's not color specific, by the way. It's always going to be a red sleigh. But uh, yes, your car will turn into Santa's sleigh, complete with presents in the back. Uh, and <laughs> what I found funny about it, though, looking at the screenshot, the <laughs> you know the the frunk and trunk open buttons are still there, and the frunk open button has a little line drawn, you know, as it as it normally does. But in this case, with the, the the Santa sleigh Easter egg, that line from the open button is drawn and pointing right at Santa's jolly round belly in the, in the Easter egg, in the sleigh, which is mildly disturbing in a completely hilarious, goofy way. It's like, no, don't open Santa's belly. Don't do that. So uh, I, I couldn't help but get a little chuckle out of that. All right, that wraps it up for your week in Tesla news. But again, stick with me after a word from my friends at Teslab, which I hope you'll give a try to. I've got a ton of your excellent phone calls lined up. You guys heated the call and the results are excellent. Lots of fun stuff to talk about with your calls coming up next in the Ride the Lightning Hotline. Before I move on with the podcast, a big thank you to Teslab for once again sponsoring Ride the Lightning. Now, to remind you what Teslab is all about, it's basically like a fitness tracker for your car, like a Tesla version of a Fitbit or an Apple Watch. Teslab is an incredibly useful app that complements your Tesla ownership experience by helping you see and understand exactly how your vehicle is performing well beyond what the car shows you. And I'm extra proud to have them sponsoring the show again because they have kicked off a fantastic new initiative that I am really, really excited about. There is a new feature in Teslab that calculates the CO2 emissions of your charging sessions. It actually reads from your local utility to determine where the energy is coming from and then calculates your carbon impact. But that's not the awesome part. The really great part of this is that Teslab is partnering with One Tree Planted to allow you to offset the carbon impact of your energy usage if you so choose. It works by choosing the level you want to offset and then submitting payment. You can do this on an ongoing basis or just as a one-time thing. Once your order goes through, they send the funds to One Tree Planted, which helps with reforestation and thus offsetting your carbon impact. So if you're like me and want to make sure you're living as sustainably as possible, check out teslab.app RTL to learn more. It's free to sign up and you can start planting trees as soon as your first charge. And remember that the Teslab app is free to use for life, but you can upgrade to a pro account for the price of a coffee and get way more out of it. Check it out. That's teslab.app slash RTL, T-E-Z-L-A-B dot A-P-P slash R-T-L. As promised, it is time for the Ride the Lightning Hotline, your time to shine, your voice, your questions, your comments. I'd love to hear from you. Call me anytime and you can do so in one of two ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question on there. Please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many listeners as possible each week. And then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can take that same 90-second or less question and just dial into the Ride the Lightning hotline and leave a message right there. It's super easy. You can call or Skype. It's toll-free, and the number is one 888 
1-888-989-8752. One more time, it's one 989 T-S-L-A. And hey, if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com if you'd like to learn more. Stefan from Monterey is up next talking structural battery pack. Go ahead, Stefan. Hey, Ryan. This is Stefan from Monterey. I'm writing to ask you a question about your thoughts on the structural battery pack. If it's my understanding that they're going to build this within within the framework of the car, what does that say about battery replacement for people who would like to keep their car but replace the battery? I'm not sure if that's even going to be possible at this point. So does this make you know a Tesla of the future basically a disposable car? I'm not sure how that's going to work. Just wanted to know your thoughts. Thanks. Bye. Excellent question here, Stefan. I imagine the car will be totaled in most accident cases where the structural battery pack's going to be damaged because, quite frankly, that's what happens now. The packs in today's Teslas, as you know, are removable, and most of what I read is that if there's battery pack damage, the cars tend to get totaled due to the insurance companies balking at the cost of those repairs or even the potential cost of those repairs. I think one thing to keep in mind is that the cells in the 4680 in the structural pack are going to be closer to the center of the car. We heard Elon talk about that very thing at uh, Battery Day. So perhaps in some cases that will lessen the damage and maybe even save the pack from injury in certain accident situations. I mean, I don't know if I'd quite go so far as to call the cars disposable, but I totally see where you're coming from. I mean, Elon might actually agree with you. Remember that the new plan for the 4680 cells is to use table salt to get the lithium out easily, and they've got a giant plot of land in Nevada in order to materially support the, the, the massive scaling up to the production levels that they want to get to. So if Tesla can accomplish its battery production goals over the next decade, as I referenced earlier in the podcast, Elon might actually more or less agree with your disposable comment. He might just say, yep, that car is total. Just recycle the pack, uh, recycle the lithium, recycle the pack, and we'll just build another one. So I don't know. We'll see. It's going to be an interesting thing to see, kind of like the Cybertruck with its uh, crash safety rating and, and how the how the crumple zones are going to work. That's another another sort of engineering question mark for uh, that, that we have about about the future of Tesla right now. Thank you, as always, for your call. And let me go now to another regular. How about uh, Pete from Carmel, who uh, wants to talk about the Michigan situation that I gave you an update on last week. Go ahead, Pete. Hey, Ryan, this is Pete from Carmel. I listened to your recent podcast and was incensed about the Michigan ruling. And this brought just kind of a general thought to my mind, and that is how much the established industrial car complex is desperately trying to see EVs in general, but specifically Tesla fail. There was an interview with um, Barra, Mary Barra, who's the CEO of uh, GM, and 
it was laughable. She was talking about how they have this big uh, initiative to completely electrify their fleet. Um, uh, they're so far behind. And at one point, the interviewer asked her if she thinks Tesla was the spark that ignited everybody's interest in EVs, and she totally sidetracked it, didn't give Tesla any credit. It's just amazing. Um, you know, and that's in contrast to Volkswagen, the CEO there, who clearly admits that Elon and Tesla have been the major driving force in the EV revolution. Uh, and if you read any you know, general sort of uh, news media, whether it's the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, nobody ever gives Tesla much credit. If you read about autonomous driving, you'll read about Waymo and you know, other companies, but Tesla either isn't mentioned or is not even on the list, yet they're clearly leading by leaps and bounds. So just a note of general frustration. I mean, I don't think it's going to stop what's happening, but clearly there's a lot of negative forces about whether it's short sellers or just the established, um, you know, car manufacturing industry and associated tentacles that are trying to put the brakes on this revolution. Thanks for everything you do. Uh, Look forward to hearing your next podcast. Pete, thanks as always for your call. I will say that I do feel like the coverage in the media has gotten less antagonistic. Presumably that would be because, if if I'm even correct, I, I mean, I can't prove it. It's just kind of my vibe that I get compared to, you know, I, I do pay attention to this stuff all the time. So, you know, I, I have a pretty good uh, radar for it, I guess. But anyway, if that's even remotely accurate, I presume it's because of Tesla just doing so well over the last year that you just simply can't, you can't even force an anti-Tesla narrative, at least not very easily anymore. So, I mean, I'd say the same thing about the short sellers. Those guys are all burned to a crisp, as I talked about on last week's show, the the short burn. Uh, So those people don't really have much left to say either. But you are absolutely right about other car companies, particularly Tesla's fellow American car makers. I mean, me, hey, I love my Tesla, but I want to celebrate other EVs. Honestly, I think the Bolt is a good car at a good price. You know, hey, if you're cross-shopping it with a Model 3, you know, it's maybe not going to hold up to a Model 3. But then again, there's $7,500 off the Bolt. And if you can... For all I know, you might be able to get them uh, for under sticker price negotiating with a dealer if if bolts aren't moving. But so, you know, again, my point being that car has its place. It may not be sexy, but it's it's a, you know, good, uh, solid range car at a good price. You've got the Mustang Mach-E. That seems to be a really good car. Uh, the initial impressions from people so far. But all that said, the more time that the other automakers waste, uh, particularly, again, the other auto uh, American automakers, the more time that they waste on trash talking and not building good electric cars and battery factories to go with them, the tougher it's going to be for them, maybe not in three years, maybe not in even in five years, but in another 10 years, in another 20 years, when EVs are in even higher demand 
And when we've reached that tipping point that Elon talks about from time to time, the tipping point for an EV being cheaper upfront than an ICE. That point is coming. If, it's, if it doesn't arrive before the $25,000 Model 4, uh, that's probably going to be when it arrives. So that day is coming and seemingly the other automakers are not ready for it. And again, I, I love Tesla, but I hope the other automakers get it together, get their act together and figure it out in time for our planet's sake. But hey, if they don't, then Tesla uh, is making every everything they can do to be ready to be able to produce 20 million cars a year by 2030 if they if they hit their goal. Matt from Iowa is next. Go ahead, Matt. Hey, Ryan, Matt from Iowa here. Uh, first time caller to the show. Uh, thanks for the show and everything that you do. Uh, I'm nearing the end of a 2,800 mile road trip on my uh, 2020 dual motor Model 3, and um, I have uh, purchased FSD, and so I've of course had a lot of miles now logged uh, with Navigate on autopilot. And um, I have the um, require lane change confirmation set to no or off, um, so the car will just go ahead and, and do those changes for me. Um, but I've started to notice that, you know, with that setting, um, you know, the software is very inconsistent on when it will signal into the passing lane to pass the vehicle and when it signals back out of the passing lane. You know, some of the time it's very natural and human-like where it senses the vehicle far ahead and signals to get over without having to slow down. Other times it slows up right behind the slower vehicle and just sits there for a few seconds, you know, to more than a few seconds before finally deciding to, to signal to get over. And then, you know, at the same time when leaving the passing lane, sometimes it throws the signal on before even finishing the pass, while other times it just camps in the passing lane for miles and, and never gets back over. And I have exit passing lane set to yes. You know, this has been a very, you know, this has been my experience behavior, you know, regardless of traffic level and my speed-based lane change settings or other navigate on autopilot uh, settings. And I know Tesla still labels this as a beta, but it's been out for quite a long time. So, you know, with all that said, you know, two things for you. One, are there any tips from other list that you or other listeners might have to get this working better? And two, um, have there been any discoveries in the newer FSD betas um, that interstate and highway navigate on autopilot working more consistently? I know a lot of the focus of the beta has been non-highway or non-interstate driving, inner city driving, but just wondering if there, anyone has noticed, any beta testers have noticed any improvements while on the highway. Uh, interested to hear your thoughts. Really appreciate uh, all the time and, and effort that you put in the show, Ryan. It's much, much appreciated. Thanks. Thank you for calling in, Matt. I will say I've absolutely seen the same behavior that you describe with cruising down the freeway and having it sometimes anticipate a slower car ahead very early and request a a lane change into the passing lane early, and sometimes it just doesn't. I will say, however, in my observation, uh, the car seems pretty consistent about when it tries to get out of the passing lane, because like you, I also have my exit passing lane set to yes. So for me, I've noticed if it's otherwise clear up ahead and my exit's not coming up yet, in other words, if I'm still just rolling down the freeway, 
I noticed that on my on-screen display, the car will signal to get out of the passing lane and it will, it will request that passing lane uh, exit, the, the lane change, as soon as the car that I'm passing disappears off of the visualization. As soon as it, I, I, you know, it scrolls out of view, that's when the car seems to signal uh, to move over. Now that's of course when it's in the, de- in the default zoom view, it's not zoomed in or zoomed out. But to your second question, I too am curious to see whether or not the passing behavior either uh, has changed at all with the upcoming full self-driving release or is at least more consistent. Thanks, Matt. Alex from Minnesota is up next talking Cybertruck. Go ahead, Alex. You know, some people are upset that the Cybertruck is going to be delayed a little bit, but actually don't mind. I think that with these weekly improvements that we're seeing in full self-driving, it's only going to be that much better. It allows time for Tesla to fine-tune their new battery technology, and it allows time for the supercharger infrastructure to continue to expand. After all, living in Minnesota, I really think that is the best vehicle you could possibly have living in Minnesota. After all, I think about what would the Mandalorian drive, and the answer has to be a Cybertruck. I think it'll be well worth the wait. But this brings me to my question. Just like the Mando draws unwanted attention wearing a full suit of Beskar down Main Street, is this something I need to worry about? I really don't want the unneeded attention. Do I have to worry about somebody throwing a rock at the window just to test if it'll break? Or is the Cybertruck just going to become normalized and won't draw unwanted attention? That is the main question and the main hesitation I have with ordering a Cybertruck. And I'm sure I'm not alone in this. Do I need to be worried or should I just say this is the way? Hey, Alex, first of all, I commend the way that you threaded the Mandalorian throughout your call. In fact, uh, I record on Friday nights and our Friday night routine while the show is on is we have dinner, then we watch The Mandalorian, then I put my daughter to bed, and then I come down and do the podcast. So I just watched the, I guess, what is this, the seventh one, the second to last one of the season. Oh, so good. I love this show so much. Anyway, uh, the Cybertruck has not been delayed. Wanted to note that real quick. As far as any of us know, it is still on track to start deliveries late next year. So I wanted to mention that. But now, to the main topic of your call. Uh, I would not worry too much about it, honestly. Given that the windows broke on stage at the reveal event, uh, I don't actually think anyone's going to go chucking rocks at people's production Cybertrucks if they think they're going to break. It would actually weirdly... I almost weirdly would be more worried for what the kind of thing that you propose if the windows hadn't broken on stage like they were supposed to not break. Then you might think, oh, well, the windows didn't break. The armor glass does its thing. People might start chucking rocks at your at your Cybertruck windows to test it. But the windows did break. So uh, I actually think that will ward a lot of this off. Because, uh, I mean, it that would be straight up vandalism regardless of whether or not the windows break. And I don't think a lot of people are going to uh, to stoop to that. However, 
what I can almost guarantee is going to happen to your Cybertruck. And and pardon me if I'm uh, if, if, you, if I'm repeating myself here because I know I did say this after the unveiling event just over a year ago. I guarantee you that you are going to return to your Cybertruck and sometimes, perhaps even oftentimes, you are going to find fingerprints on it. Uh, I recommend that you mentally prepare yourself for that situation because it is going to happen. Honestly, it took me a while to get over that as a DeLorean owner until I basically just had to tell myself and remind myself that they're not actually hurting anything. A fingerprint wipes right off. It's better than a scratch, uh, even though that a scratch would come out of the stainless steel, too, as I'm sure will apply to the uh, to the Cybertruck. Anyway, uh, is it disrespectful to put your hands all over someone else's car with regard to the fingerprints? Uh, in my opinion, yes. I You don't touch other people's cars. That's just not a thing. You, you know, car show etiquette. You, you're looking at a car, you put your hands behind your back, and you just enjoy, you know, you look at the car, enjoy it, but you don't touch the car. That's, that's how I was raised, that's how I was taught, that's what I believe. Anyway, um, it is going to be a reality with a stainless steel car, because there's just something about the stainless that seems to trigger a human curiosity of wanting to touch the material. For some reason, again, I learned this for, through 12 years of DeLorean ownership. I mean, you, it's, you don't see it with painted cars. People don't walk up and touch painted cars. I mean, I'm sure on occasion they do, but not in the same way that a stainless steel car gets touched. But it is, it is the case with a naked stainless steel car like the DeLorean and soon to be the Cybertruck as well. Eventually, though, it probably will, unlike with the DeLorean, which just didn't last... The Cybertruck probably will get to a point where it normalizes and then the fingerprints will probably either stop or, or slow down quite a bit. But bottom line, I would not worry about rocks being thrown at your windows or for that matter, hammers being taken to your body panels either. So thanks so much for your call, Alex. Let me go to Glenn in Cape Town, South Africa next. Welcome, Glenn. Hey Ryan, it's Glenn here from Cape Town, South Africa. Trust that um, all is well there. Listen man, I just would like to know with regards to Teslas in general. Now, the car uses mobile data for the navigation, those Netflix movies that you want to watch, the streaming of music and so forth. Who pays for that data? Where does it, who, who actually funds it? Does Tesla fund it somehow or does it get billed to the owner of the car? You know, how does, how does it work? Um, because if you're to drive your vehicle over the border, say into Mexico in your case, I would think that, as we all know, the cell networks are like a big cartel and they charge an arm and a leg for data when you roam internationally. So I can imagine that Tesla would not want to have a bill of like $1,000 per gigabyte or uh, being charged to them from a mobile network outside of, um, of the United States. Or if you're in Europe and you go into an area or a country that, that Tesla's aren't sold, you know, what happens then? So I'm quite keen to, to hear how it all works. Right, thanks, Ryan, for a great show as always. And we are still waiting and dreaming for Tesla to come to South Africa. We are waiting in bated breath, but I cannot imagine it coming anytime soon. So in the meantime, I'm enjoying your show and just drooling at everything that you guys all talk about. Thanks again. Cheers. Bye. 
Glenn, great to hear from you and thank you very much for listening. To answer your question, Tesla has been footing the bill up until recently. In, you know, with the got the premium connectivity now, but uh, in the United States, Tesla's cellular partner is AT&T. In other countries, it's with other local providers. I don't know the terms of those deals, like how, you know, how much Tesla pays, how long the contract is for, etc. There might very well come a day when Tesla just puts Starlink in every single Tesla around the world, every new build Tesla, and just doesn't even need to worry about specific providers in specific markets. But we need to wait for the full Starlink rollout to occur before we can start hoping for that. And we need miniaturization of the Starlink receiver before that can happen too. But I think it probably will happen eventually. Uh, you know, I'm not actually sure, to answer your other question, what happens if I were to cross the Canadian or Mexican border in my car. I would presume it just roams with whoever AT&T's North American partners are that are, you know, that, are, that use the same network technology. Because, I mean, I've... I've flown to Montreal before, obviously, you know, without my car and my phone works there. It just roams on the international partner network. And I presume the car would do the same if I if I drove it across the border. Anyway, uh, Glenn, I hope you guys get Tesla in your market at some point sooner rather than later. Thanks so much for your call. Jay from Hickory, North Carolina. You, sir, are on the air. Hey, Ryan, this is Jay Rogerson from Hickory, North Carolina. Uh, just listening to your current podcast, um, and I heard the story where, uh, unfortunately, a Tesla owner had their car vandalized, or I think it was a felony vandalism, um, and you were suggesting, you know, maybe if they had the, the Roadster package, uh, the SpaceX package, to kind of warn or ward off any perpetrators that were trying to vandalize it. Um, it made me think about the speakers that are supposed to be on the outside of uh, Tesla's and uh, I think there were some some jokes about it, you know, essentially like playing fart sounds on other cars or even jazz or elevator music. Um, what if they had a security feature that if they could detect that somebody that wasn't the owner was, you know, kind of walking up to a car or, you know, some cars will usually beep if you get too close to them. Um, it's, you know, maybe gave a, an audible uh, warning saying, hey, this car is recording. Anything you do can be captured because that's one thing that just blows my mind is do people not realize that, you know, of all cars, Teslas have, you know, multiple cameras constantly recording. So anything you do is going to be seen. So um, just a thought. Thanks so much. Appreciate the podcast. Take care. Jay, I have to tell you, that is a much more sensible idea than mine. And it's certainly doable on the entire fleet using the pedestrian speaker that you mentioned, uh, which again is on all Teslas built in September of 2019 and later. Uh, by the way, apropos of nothing, when I listened to your call, it reminded me that, I mean, years ago, might, maybe 20 years ago, it's forever ago, I remember being in this parking garage and someone's car alarm went off, uh, which I'd never heard a, a car alarm like this, and I've never heard one since. But the alarm was a recording of a guy, and, and I'm not sure why this stuck in my head, but it did. The recording, it was a looped recording of a guy saying, warning, you are too close to the car. Please step back. Just over and over again. That was the car alarm. 
But anyway, yeah, uh, I think I'm asking you uh, to step back. <laughs> that is a car alarm. That might be a little toothless in 2020. I mean, heck, it probably was in the 90s or whenever the heck it was that I heard that. But uh, to your point, telling you that you're being recorded, complete with the portal turret and the you're being recorded message on the screen in the car to back it up, that might actually have an effect on people. So good stuff, Jay. Thank you so much for calling in. Let me go now up to Rob in Toronto. Hi, Ryan. It's Rob from Toronto with my second message. Um, I'm a happy owner of a Model Y that I took delivery of in uh, September. Uh, Previously had a Model S for a year. I love both of them. Uh, The Model Y has certainly got some very nice features that I like uh, that are better suited for me than the Model S did. Um, So I'm generally very, very happy with it. Just a couple of things that I'm curious to know if Tesla could do something about and wonder if other owners might have noticed it as well. Um, first of all, on the on the screen on the dashboard where you see the avatar of the vehicle, um, the brake lights show up very dimly on the avatar, and it's very it's almost impossible to tell when the brake lights have been applied or when you've put the brakes on. With the Model S, it was very vivid, and as soon as you put the brakes on or they were applied by the autopilot, you they lit up very brightly, and it was very reassuring to know they were on. With the Model Y, they're so dim that it's almost impossible to know they're on. I would love to have the Tesla folks uh, do a little tweak to the software to make that uh, to improve that. Another thing is the charge port. Uh, when you're trying to find the charge port in a dark garage, uh, with the Model S, it was brilliant because it had a white ring of light around it, and you could see exactly where the uh, charger had to go in or the plug had to go in. With the Model Y, it's very dark. It's just a very dim little Tesla logo to the left of the uh, charge port uh, opening receptacle, and uh, very difficult sometimes to aim it properly when there's not much light. It would be great if they could find a way to light that up more. And the other, which I'm sure they probably can't do much about, but it'd be interesting to put the challenge to them, is with the Chrome Delete, which I love a lot, um, in a dark area, it's very difficult at night to find the... Uh, door handles against my gray background. It would be great if they could find a way to put a little bit of light on that or maybe a small reflective piece or something that might make it a little easier to spot it in a dark at a dark night. Anyway, wondering if anybody else has had that experience. Thanks, Ryan. Rob, I appreciate your call. I have to wholeheartedly agree with you on the brake lights rendering uh, on the dashboard screen visualization there. They are pretty dim and I'll tell you, they're even less obvious for me because I have a red car. So there's just a lot of red on there, which makes it tricky to know at a glance if the brake lights are on or not. And as you said, that would definitely be an easy fix. I don't know if the other two would be quite so easy to rectify, though. I mean, it might be possible for for, uh, the Tesla T-Logo light in the charge port. Maybe that could be made brighter. But maybe not. I'm not sure. It's possible that just already is what it is. As for the door handles, now the S, the Model S, as you well know, not only has chrome door handles, but it has little white LED lights that come on when the door handles present themselves. The Model Y handles, which are, of course, the same as the Model 3 handles, they can't do that. I mean, maybe a light, a little light could be added on the inside of the handle, effectively behind the handle, that uh, could illuminate the edges, maybe, I don't know, but 
Uh, I imagine that would, I mean, not I imagine, it would be a cost issue to add a part, to add something to the door handle assembly like that. Uh, and as such, I imagine Tesla would not be too keen on adding it since they don't seem to be getting you know, a million complaints about it. But although just, although just thinking about that, I would say that would look really cool. If, if the light were done right, where it actually lit the kind of outline around the, the hockey stick shaped door handle, that would look really neat potentially. I like that. Well, Rob, thank you so much for your call. Uh, one more caller for this week, and then uh, I'll move on to the rest of the podcast here on to the next segment. Joel from Sonoma County. Go ahead, Joel. Hi, Ryan. It's Joel up in wine country, just north of you in Sonoma County. And I've got two requests for Tesla. The first one for my Model 3. Uh, it would be great if it had a student mode. I have three kids and my middle one in a couple of years will be learning how to drive. I realize eventually she probably won't be driving herself. Uh, but in the short term, it'd be nice if there was a setting where she could practice driving in a parking lot, say, and have sort of like virtual bumpers around the car where it's impossible for her to run into anything. I don't know if somebody's already talked about that or not yet. That would be a nice feature. And then uh, on the Cybertruck, when I get mine, I'm in construction and I beat up my trucks pretty bad. I would love for there to be an interior package that's as durable as the exterior. Uh, that would be great to uh, uh, prevent the damage to nice seats and uh, the finishes inside the Cybertruck. So those are my thoughts. Thank you for your show. Have a great day. Bye. Joel, this is a great call. Thank you so much for dialing in. With regard to the student mode, you can get a little bit of this in valet mode now, which will cut the power in half and put a speed limit on it, which by the way, you can configure. But I agree that it would be nicer if Tesla could take it a step further and add some more configurable limitations on the car. And to your thought, by the way, about a Cybertruck interior toughness package, that is a great idea. I mean, maybe it could even have things like drain plugs in the floors, uh, presuming it's using it's not using carpeting, so that you could hose it down if it gets you know really dirty or gross. If you're uh, whether you're off roading or you're at a you know messy, dirty job site, muddy place, something like that. And I'll tell you, I agree on the seats and interior mater materials as well. I think a an interior toughness package would be an excellent option for the Cybertruck that a lot of buyers would probably take advantage of. Thanks, Joel. Thanks to everybody that called in. Uh, keep those calls coming. I would love to hear from you if you've got something Tesla-related on your brain. Dial it in. I gave you the call-in info at the top of this segment. And with that, I'll take a quick pause. Come right back. Got the pro tip of the week for you and a little bit more right after this. This is Steve Downs the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. Well, this is normally the part of the podcast where I tell you what adventures I've been up to in my car, which I've named the Spirit of Adventure. But unfortunately, uh, I was a bit under the weather this week. I had a, like a stomach bug all week. I did even go so far, I went ahead just in case and got a COVID-19 test, which came back negative, thankfully. Uh, it's the first time I've gotten tested. 
And I have to say, I had it really built up in my head from everything I've heard that it was just a incredibly uncomfortable experience, but it was not that bad. It was, uh, I mean, it wasn't pleasant, don't get me wrong, but it was, uh, it was not too bad at all. Uh, anyway, and this weekend, by the way, also would have been the Fireball Supercharger Takeover, the new 56-stall V3, all V3 uh, down here south of San Francisco as you, you head towards Los Angeles. It's like a, I think it's like 150-something miles, maybe, 175 miles south of the San Francisco Bay Area. The Silicon Valley Tesla Owners Club, we were going to go down there and, and do a takeover, and I was definitely planning on attending the event, but I, that was canceled because the, of course, COVID-19, unfortunately, continues to to rage, and uh, the San Francisco Bay Area is pretty well on a stay-at-home lockdown now, so the event was canceled. We'll get a chance to do it another time. No biggie there. All right, uh, video game recommendation time. I wanted to mention a brand new release that I know a lot of people probably won't have access to because it does require particular hardware. But the game is Medal of Honor Above and Beyond. It's a new release, and it's only for VR. You need uh, a PC-based VR headset. So the PlayStation VR, it's not compatible with with that. But if you've got an Oculus Rift, uh, an Oculus Quest with the link cable, or an HTC Vive or a Valve Index... You can play the game, and it is a. You may have heard of Medal of Honor if you're any if you're a bit of a gamer. Uh, Medal of Honor's a first-person shooter series, World War II set that's been around for gosh twenty yeah twenty years now. It's been dormant for quite some time, but Respawn Entertainment, the makers of Titanfall and Apex Legends, and they're actually long story short, they have they have developers. Uh, their lineage traces back to the original Medal of Honor, so it's kind of come full circle. Anyway, they did a new one, but in VR. And uh, I'll be honest with you, the game is not that great, but uh, there's something in there that I think everyone should see, and I hope Respawn will, will release this outside of a video game at some point. And they have a thing in there called the Gallery, which is literally like a movie theater that you go into in the VR, and it looks like you're watching a big screen because, you know, you're, you're in there. Uh, and they have these documentary videos with a number of surviving World War II veterans telling their stories and, in some cases, bringing them back to the European theater to where they had some giant moment for them in, in the war. And it's, it's so emotionally impactful and moving. It's just, it's living history you know, these, these people are all, these heroes are all in their 90s now, uh, and they're just incredible uh, stories. It's like, that's, okay, now I know what it's like to cry with a VR headset on, but everyone should see them, my goodness. So if, you, if you're a gamer and you happen to have a VR headset, I would recommend Medal of Honor Above and Beyond. Uh, the, the, the videos unlock as you play, so you do need to play the game. <laughs> I say kind of unfortunately, just because the game's not super great, but... In any case, uh, that is that. So wonderful work uh, inside of Medal, the new Medal of Honor. Time for your pro tip of the week. It's Matt from Iowa who uh, went on a road trip with his Model 3 and, well, encountered something that he learned from and wanted to pass along to the rest of you. So here is Matt. 
Hey Ryan, Matt from Iowa here. A potential tip for all owners out there. I was recently on a long road trip in my Model 3 and the locking mechanism inside the charge port was misbehaving in a way where the supercharger handles would lock, uh, but my car would not unlock them um, after I was finished charging. You know, I tried unlocking by pressing the button on the handle, which is what normally, on the charging handle, which is what normally does it, using the in-car in screen, uh, you know, via the Tesla phone app, nothing worked. Um, and then and I'm sitting there thinking, oh crap, you know, what am I going to do here? Uh, but then I remember there's a little pull tab in the trunk uh, that can be used to manually release the charger and that ended up working great. Um, obviously, that's just necessary in a pinch and I need to get that looked at by service, which I do have an appointment scheduled for. But, um, you know, it's just nice that the that that is there that manual re release is there just in case of an issue you know just figured i'd pass this along in case some owners weren't aware of this um, in the event that they also get into a pinch thanks matt thank you for this i had this happen to me two years ago also while road tripping and in my case i was on down to arizona for the holidays to see my family uh, and when it happened to me i'll tell you i panicked i ended up calling tesla roadside assistance and a very kind person told me about that manual release inside the trunk, basically on the other side of the charging port there, if you're in on the inside of the car, on the left side if you're standing at the back of the car facing the trunk. So while this is technically a pro tip that I've covered on the podcast before, again, I know I've got a lot of new listeners out there, a lot of new owners out there, and this is a good one to mention at this time of year in case this happens to any of you while you're out road tripping. Thanks so much, Matt. Again, if you've got a pro tip of the week, something not obvious, something useful to your fellow owners, dial it in. I'd love to hear from you. Just call in the very same way that you call in for the regular Ride the Lightning hotline, one of the two easy ways there. So let's move to the end of the show, which means it's time to say hi to some friends of the podcast. Starting with the snap plate. My friends at livingtesla.com slash RTL. Don't forget the slash RTL. The front license plate bracket for people like me that hate front license plate brackets. It is, uh, it's safe and secure, but it can pop on and off with the included tool. You can just keep that tool in either your center console or maybe your glove box. And then you just, you can pop it on and off as you need to, whether you're at a parking meter and need to put it on or you're heading out of there and you don't like the look of it, you want to just pop it off real quick, you can use that included tool and get rid of it. So grab that snap plate for any of the Teslas, Model S, Model 3, Model X, or Model Y at livingtesla.com slash RTL. And then abstractocean.com, the Costco of Tesla accessories, just all kinds of goodies, rows and rows of them, which you can browse virtually at abstractocean.com whether it's the new rear footwell lighting kit or the drop-in cup holder stabilizer, the cool T-E-S-L-A lettering you can get for the back of your Model 3 or Model Y. Lots of great stuff across the board. And whatever you're purchasing, don't forget to use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout to get 15% off of your first order. RTL Podcast is all one word on that coupon code. And then puretesla.com slash RTL, one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode needs. They ship free anywhere in the United States or for a modest fee to ship internationally. Comes fully formatted for the Tesla cam. It's plug and play straight out of the package, right into your car. No problem. Works with Mac, works with PC. 
It's easy and it's long lasting because it's not directly USB flash drive based. Uses a micro SD. I've been rocking mine for, gosh, it's gotta be at least a year now. Absolutely no problems. Love it. So get yours at puretesla.com slash RTL. And Immaculate Reflections. They are there to take care of your car. Should you need a little extra TLC, whether you want to do paint correction, maybe, or paint protection film on some or all of the car, or ceramic coating so that you've got that uh, 21st century wax type uh, finish to the car and you don't, you won't need to wax it because of the ceramic coating. Any of that, all of that, Immaculate Reflections, if you are in the San Francisco Bay Area or you're going to be here with your car, get booked in. There is a discount waiting for listeners of this show. Just mention that you're a Ride the Lightning listener and Jeff will apply that discount for you. So you can learn more and get in touch with Jeff at the official website, which is irdetailing.com. And finally, Jada, of course. Whether you want to grab the wireless charging pad for a Model 3 or the USB hub to add some extra USB ports for your 3 or your Y, you can grab both of them at my affiliate URL. Please use this link if you would be so kind. It's getjada.com slash ref slash 8. And uh, that's the number 8, the numeral 8. Getjada.com slash ref slash 8. Jada spelled J-E-D-A. And don't forget that coupon code to get 10 bucks off your order. The coupon code is Ride the Lightning. All one word, Ride the Lightning. Finally, I want to say thank you to my Patreon supporters, specifically the Plaid and Maximum Plaid to your folks. Again, I do put a lot of time, love, energy, and research into this podcast. I do my best to get everything right. I try to make it fun, try to make it feel like a, a one hour radio show each week. And if you are willing and able to support my efforts, I would sincerely appreciate it if you would do so. Uh, the information can be found at the Patreon website, which is patreon.com slash Podcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And you can do as little as five bucks a month or uh, the, you know, the tiers go up with little fun bonuses from there that you get extra little perks and things. A reminder, though, I've been seeing a lot of people take advantage of this. If you just want to pay once and be done with it, there's an annual subscription option where you just basically prepay for a year. And if you do that, you get a five, uh, 5% discount on that year as well. So that's pretty cool. Again, patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. I would be uh, very humbled and grateful if you might check that out at some point. At some point. Not, you know, if you're a new listener, hey, I got to earn your trust. I got to earn your attention, your respect. I get that. But uh, hey, if, you, if you've been with me for a while and, and you enjoy the podcast and you get something out of it, maybe you might take a look at the Patreon page at some point. And with that, a big thank you to the Maximum Plaid backers. They are Pete White, Danny Nelson, Jonathan Wales, Fernando Cordero, Sean Neidig, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, Stan Roth, and Howard Anthony Smith. Thank all of you very much. And then the plaid level folks. We've got George Cassiopo, David Brander, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Robert Miracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Lawton from Chicago, 
Peter Chalet, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, uh, Jeremy, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Ron Lee, John Cody, Charlie Gillespie, Kaz Barnes, Neil Weaver, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peake, Will Stedman, Evie Tricity UK, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, Trenton from Myrtle Beach, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, Mark Eversole, Ish, Chris Beach, Aaron Altschul, Steve Radspinner, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, my friend on Twitter, at Rodam, John Schmidt, and Eric, oh, Eric St. Pierre, and the Tesla Owners East Bay Club. So thanks to all of you for your continued Patreon support. And with that, it is time for me to hit the road. Uh, I'm hoping I will feel better this week. We'll see how that goes. And uh, just hope everybody stays safe. We'll get through this. At least, again, as I said last week, you we do have, you know, this is a Tesla podcast. You can jump in your car. That is a socially distant activity you can do that's still fun for uh, for any of us listening to this show. So... Uh, I, I uh, sincerely thank all of you for your time and attention every week. Your time is, in my opinion, your most valuable resource. So the fact that you would give an hour of it to me and spend it with me here on the podcast each and every week, it does mean a lot. I, it does not go unnoticed. I am grateful for it. Thank you all so much. Happy electric motoring. And I will see you back here next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.